0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوه الا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين الله على سيدنا محمد وآله اللهم اخرجني من ظلمات الوهم واكرمني بنور الفه this is our third session on Islamic belief system. In previous session we talked about different ways of knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then we talked about the argument from design or Burhan and Nazb, and we explained different ways of developing this argument, and in particular, we refer to three aspects of the world which can be used as the foundation for this argument. And today, inshallah, we want to go on with the second argument, and that is, Argument based on fitra, the innate knowledge that we have about our Creator. Inshallah, if we manage to finish this discussion today, then the next session we will talk about the cosmological argument or burhan or wujub wal imkan. First of all, we need to have a clear understanding of fitra what it means and then we can talk about the argument for the existence of God. The term fitra which Muslim theologians use comes from the root fatara. Fatara fatara is the root and we have many derivatives from this like fatir Say, Ya Fatara Samawat or Fitra, Fitrat Allah, letty Fatara Nasa Aleha. So this root means creation. So Fatara means created. And Fitra is the cast, the Sira, which is on the Fila. Uh, like jilsa, mita, fi'la. In sarf, in morphology, they tell us that fi'la is used to indicate a type of something, a form of something. For example, when the Arabs want to say that I sat like the sitting of servants, or slaves. They say. jalasto jelsat al-abid. Jelsat al-abid. Jelsa. Is. Maf'ul mutlaq. In nahf. But in sarf is fi'la. And fi'la means a type of julus. A type of sitting. Jelsa. Jelsat al-abid. Means a type of sitting. That a servant. You know when a servant. sits, Seats. Seats in the way which is very respectful or for example this famous hadith man mata walam ya'rif imam mata mitat al mita is again fi'la and means a type of death which is suitable for al-jahili so fitrah means a type of creation okay this is the Original meaning, the literal meaning of the term "fitra," a type of creation. But technically, متkallemeen, theologians, use this term to refer to what? To a special creation that Allah has given to human beings. A special creation that Allah has given to human beings. And the reason they have selected this term is the ayah in the Qur'an which says فَأَقِمْ وَجْحَكَ لِلْدِّينَ حَنِيفًا فَطْرَةَ اللَّهِ الَّتِي فَطَرَ النَّاسَ عَلَيْهَا لَا تَبْدِيلَ لِخَلْقِ اللَّهِ ذَلِكَ الدِّينُ الْقَيِّمُ So this ayah says that you should turn your face. Towards the religion which is Hanif. Hanif means something which is turning away from battle towards Haq. So if you go away from battle or turn away from battle and move towards Haq, this is called Hanif. And you know that one of the titles which was used for the religion of Ibrahim was the religion of Hanif, Dina Hanif means something which is turning towards Haq anyway Allah says you should turn your face towards the religion which is Hanif or you have to be Hanif means you have to be focused on the truth and this is what Allah has created people on it, which is a very beautiful notion that your religion, which you have to choose and you have to tune yourself to truth, is also something which has its roots in your creation. So our creation and our religion match Yeah, it's uh, like, for example, if someone says, I tell you the best way of using this machine, I tell you the best way of using, for example, this TV or computer or whatever, this can only work if the way he tells you to use this would be compatible with the way that that machine is produced. Yeah, so religion can only work if it's in compliance with our nature or it's actually inspired by the way we are created. So, لَدِّينَ لَدِّينَ حَنِيفًا فِتْرَةَ اللَّهِ الَّتِي This is the way Allah has created people. لَا تَبْدِيلَ There is no change in the creation of Allah. That, and uh, This is the dinul al This is the upright religion. Anyway, because of this ayah, Muslim scholars chose the term fitrah to refer to refer to those aspects of our creation which are unique. Which are special. Because there are two different characteristics in us. There are some characteristics in us that we share with animals. And there are some characteristics in our creation which we don't share with animals. We said fetra is a special type of creation. So theologians refer by fetra to those Especial characteristics which are exclusive to human beings and sh- not shared by animals; those which are shared by animals are many. If we want to refer to something which we share with animals, we don't use "fetra." We have other terms. For example, if we want to refer to the ways that we and animal both do certain things or have inclination towards certain things we use the term instinct ghariza ghariza is what we share for example we have desire for food and animals have desire for food we have desire for water they have desire. we have desire for Uh, Opposite sex. Animals have desire. So, this is not fetra up to this stage. Because this is shared by animals. Okay? What is called fetra is something extra, something special, something exclusive that we have. For example, inshallah i give you later a list, but for example, for In us, there is a desire for beauty. Beautification is a very important part of human life. For animals, beauty is not an issue, Okay. So if you look at animals, it's not that when they want to, for example, select their spouse, this is one of their criteria. I find, you know, a beautiful horse. For them, all the horses are beautiful, okay? For a horse, all horses are beautiful. Or for example, when they make, uh, want to make their you know, home. For example, if birds want to make nests. If you look at all the birds and their nests, of course, birds of the special type, okay? For the same type. For example, if you look at all the pigeons, they make their nest the same. Depending on the material, on the environment, on the nature, they use the same, you know, design and they do it. And when they do it also, it's not that every day they bring something and decorate it. Yeah? They do something simple and that's it. If you look at the birds in a town, you know, the birds' nest in one town, they are the same. If you look at the way they make a be- uh, nest today or 100 years ago, 200 years ago, it's the same. But if you look at human beings, human beings always want to make it more beautiful and more beautiful and more beautiful. And th- then sometimes they get confused and they don't know what is beautiful. So they make it ugly, but hoping that this is be- beautiful. The whole you know, taste ch- can change. And sometimes to make it beautiful is more important than making the house. So people don't spend that much time on the safety of the house, of the strength of the house. They just want to make it beautiful. And sometimes then you see the outside of house is more important than inside. Outside is very beautiful, but when you go inside, it's not beautiful. So these are all the problems that come in human beings. Why? Because we have a desire for beauty. But how to respond to that desire is another issue. It's not that our response is always good, but the desire is something special in us. Inshallah, we will talk about them. So, fitrah is that aspect of our creation, which is exclusive to us, which is a special. We don't share with animals. We don't share with plants. We don't share with non-living beings. It's very special. And fitrah normally is used to refer to two different types of characteristics. Sometimes, fetra refers to some type of understanding and knowledge that we have by creation. Sometimes it is used to refer to some types of desires and inclinations that we have by nature. Okay, so sometimes a matter of understanding and knowledge sometimes a matter of desire and inclination for example when we talk about allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we will explain that we have both innate knowledge of god and we have also innate yearning for god desire for god it's not just knowledge it's, so it can be knowledge it can be desire and in some cases or maybe most of the cases we have both We have some fettery, some innate understanding of beauty. We also have desire for it. We have some understanding of what does it mean to be perfect, and we have desire for it. Okay, So it's not just understanding or just desire. It's both of them. Mm -hmm. For having a better understanding of what is fitri, what can be considered as fitri. In the book, few conditions are mentioned. Anything which has these conditions can be considered as fitri. First, they should be something which are beyond animal life. So something that is shared by animals or is lower, then it's not called fetri. Inshallah, in logic and philosophy, when they talk about different categories for being, you study that, they will say that there are things that all material beings share. For example, the fact that we have three dimensions. We occupy time, space, this is shared. Even a stone, a piece of wood, they have this. Then we have certain things that we share with plants, with living beings, okay? For example, the need for breathing, the need for food, nutrition, reproduction. This is what we share with all living beings. And in this aspect, we are all sharing vegetative life means here it's not that we are vegetable it means that we share with plants certain qualities okay allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the quran that allah anbatakum minal ardu nabatan anbatakum anbata nabat is used for plants means Allah created you and gave you life. You like a flower which comes from soil. Allah has also created us from soil. and So, this is what we share with plants, animals. Then, we come higher. There are things we share only with animals. Not with vegetables. Not with trees and flowers. And then it comes higher, then it's only exclusive. So it's a hierarchy. In the bottom, you have qualities that you share with everything, like having time and space. Then having life and breathing, reproduction, nutrition. Then coming to the level of animals, which is to be able to respond to the uh, a stimula coming from the environment to be able to move voluntarily and then we come to human beings and that's where we have certain things that they don't have. Anyway so the first condition is that fetri refers to those things which are beyond the level of animals. Second something which is fetri you don't need To acquire. You understand? So, if if there is something that you need to acquire, to obtain, to learn, to be taught, this is not fitri. For example, driving is not fitri, because we have to learn. Cooking is not fitri. It's not against fetra, but it's not fetri. It means that it's something that we have to learn. Yeah? But for us, the desire for beauty, the desire for perfection, the desire for knowledge, we don't need to obtain. We don't need to be taught. How to do it this is another issue. So anything which is fettery, for its realization, you don't need to be taught. Yes, education, environment can have a role in making it earlier or later, in making it very active or hyperactive or passive. It's possible. It's similar to Instincts. For example, the desire for the opposite you know sex, the desire for sex, the desire for marital relation. this is not something that you need to be taught. This is not something that if someone doesn't tell you, you don't understand till the end of your life, okay? But depending on the environment, on the education, on the, I don't know, movies that you watch, some people come to understand this in very early age. Some people may understand it later. Okay? But it's not that it is something that if they don't tell you, you don't understand. You don't feel anything yourself. Okay? The same is with fetra. Those things which are fetri, like desire for knowledge, desire for beauty, are there. But if you have a kind of setting environment that people love knowledge, people praise the people who are knowledgeable, people encourage you when you learn something, you see that fitri becomes very active. But if, for example, you live in a society in which there is no value for knowledge and everyone says, you know, money is better than knowledge, so maybe that desire becomes passive inshallah we will explain later for example with respect to God if you live in a society that there are all atheists and they don't have any love for God no knowledge of God okay so maybe you don't feel very clearly that yearning for God but this doesn't mean it doesn't exist it needs a good condition so that it emerges. Like, for example, if you are faced with very big danger, which is danger your life, like traveling on a boat, in an ocean, and you are almost sure that there is no way to be saved. Nothing can help you. No one is there to help you. At that particular time that all the conventional methods of help stop, you see that inside you there is still a hope that there is someone who loves me and has power to help me. So you ask God for help. But unfortunately... When you are saved, and you reach the seashore, then you may forget. Some of them then remain in good condition, balanced. Some of them forget God. So... The things which are fetri should not be in need of being taught or obtained or acquired. The third condition is that those things which are fetri are universal. You find among all races, all cultures, in different places, different times, because they are related to our creation. So every human being should have them. Anyone who shares with you in humanity has them. The fourth condition is that those things which are fetri, every person should be able to go deep inside himself or herself and find them. For example, we have desire for truth. Every human being. Should be able to refer to himself or herself. And find. Whether he or she feels this desire for truth or not. Desire for honesty. Even the thieves, They love honesty. They love justice. Yeah. So if a few thieves make a robbery, and then they want to divide, they would choose someone who is honest among them. Yeah, They don't choose someone who is dishonest. Like, dishonest is better, so we choose someone who is dishonest. Even someone who is a thief loves that his wife is honest with him. His children are honest with him. Okay, So these are the things that every person can go back to his heart or his conscience or his soul, whatever you call it, and find them. So you can experience it internally. The other condition is that they are very obvious and self evident. You don't need to prove them. You don't need to argue about them. You don't need to uh, debate. Just you need people to be able to reflect and experience it. Maybe they deny, but this is on the surface. If they really have chance to be left with themselves and dig into the deeper levels of their self, they will find it. Okay, now, after knowing what fetra means, what are the characteristics of the things which are fetri, now, our claim is this. What we want to make argument for is this. That we have both fetri understanding of God, knowledge of God, and we have also fethry desire for God. Yearning for God. In... Uh, Farsi, we say, Chodashenasi and Chodajui. Chodajui means to look for God. Desire for God. Maybe in Urdu, you understand the same? Yes. So, Chodajui. Ju comes from just means you are looking for something. Chodajui means... I'm looking for it, like means we are looking for the truth, and also means knowledge of God. So we can have different types of خداشناسی. We can have, you know, of uh, intellectual type, of, of intuitive. You know, we have kind of different types of But what we want to say now is that there is one type of خداشناسی that we have it as human beings by our very way uh, of being created. (laughs) (laughs) In the book, you find a list of, not comprehensive list, because no one can claim to have a complete and inclusive list. Because first of all, it takes time. And also, it's always possible to know more. You know, although we are human beings, So we are not talking about another type of creation. We are all human beings. And we have been studying human beings for thousands of years. Still, we don't know that much about human beings. Still, we need to discover more. Some people have said, for example, in 1920, that the instincts which are shared between human beings and animals are 6,000 6, different types of instincts between us and animal are common. You see, it's a huge world that we don't know. Anyway, some of the major things that we share with animals, and then some of the things that are exclusive to us. The first thing is hobbezat what we call it, self-love. Anyone who studies uh, Islamic ethics, Islamic philosophy, Islamic philosophical psychology should know hubbazat. What is hubbazat? Uh, In the course that we had in uh, Hose and Akhlaq, we talked maybe two, three sessions about hubbazat. Very briefly. The idea is that we and animals, okay, we have love for ourselves. And this can explain why we struggle for life. Why an animal doesn't just sit somewhere to die. Why they look for food? Why they look for, for example, a shelter? Why they look, for example, for a mate? They can just wait till they die. Or, for example, when there is a danger, why they defend themselves? This cannot be explained except by accepting that they have self-love This is a very fundamental instinct. They want to protect their life because this is the way they can continue. They want also to improve their life but improvement for animals has a very fixed level. For human beings, improvement has no limit. Okay? Okay. So we want to be there and we want to be in a better condition. This is zat. Or for example, you know, another thing that we have is the desire for food, the desire for sex. But when it comes to human beings, we have certain things that animals don't have or don't seem to have. For example, one of the things that we have is haqiqat ju'i, search for truth, desire for truth. We want to know the things in the way they are. This is the root of curiosity. Why? we have developed all these different sciences. Because we had the desire for knowing the truth, we became curious. When we see something happens, we try to explain it. We try to understand why it happened. And then we try to get lesson from this so that in future we can predict. Okay. If, for example, human beings were just facing with rain coming and they had no curiosity to understand why rain comes, then we were not able to plan, we were not able to predict. But now we have studied why rain comes. Therefore now we can predict, we can even sometimes, you know, have artificial, you know, fertilization of the clouds and have rain. Or we can, for example, sometimes uh, say that a flood may come. You know, you have to be cautious. Mm -hmm. So many things that we can do because we have had this curiosity. We have had this thirst for knowing. There is a story that I sometimes mention about Abu Rayhan Biruni. Abu Rayhan Biruni was a famous Muslim uh, astronomer, mathematician, and it is said that just before his death, very, you know, little was left from his life, maybe a few minutes or a few hours maximum, he was visited by a neighbor who was a faqih, so he was a specialized in faq jurisprudence. So Abu Rayhan Biruni asked him few questions about fiqh. And he said, you are now in this condition of ihtizar, you know, you are dying. Why you are asking? So he said, is it better to die while I know or to die while I don't know? This is very much in line with our fatrah. We prefer to know. Of course, then this has to be regulated. Because if you don't know how to respond to this, then you can become nosy. I want to know secrets of people. I want to know confidential things about people. You know? So you have to understand that although you have desire for knowing, but it's not that everything that is there you must know. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for example, in the Quran says there are certain things that you should not ask about them because if you come to know about them, then you will be hurt. Don't ask about the things that if they are disclosed to you they will hurt you. For example, I may have desire to know what people think about me. Okay? But I shouldn't go and check and ask or, you know, uh, for example, you know, somehow try to secretly listen, you know, to what people say because sometimes maybe people may not say nice things about me and I will be hurt. It's better to have normal relation with people, without knowing what they have said about you when you were not there. So, Islamically, it's not good to try to find out what people have said about you in your absence. And even if someone comes and says, you know, so-and-so was telling this about you, you should not listen. You should not, you know, let him continue. Because this is not good. This will break the relations. Anyway, we have to be careful We have endless thirst for knowledge, but you have to know what is the knowledge which is beneficial. Okay, So this is very important. Uh, I am expanding this session because here is also something which has lots of moral implications. I think it's useful for us to expand a bit about Fetra. So the search for knowledge is unlimited, like many other things that we have in Fetra, they are all unlimited because inshallah, if we get a chance, I will explain that these are all indicators towards God. Because it's God who is absolute knowledge. So we have unlimited search for knowledge, but you have to regulate it. You know, so much in Islam we have emphasis on beneficial knowledge. Ilm has to be naafiq. Even we ask refuge uh, with respect to ilman la yanfa. A knowledge which is not beneficial. We shouldn't go after it. Or if a knowledge after certain limit becomes useless, you shouldn't go after it. You have to be very selective. Some people I don't want to underestimate anyone's field of study. Okay? I, I don't want to underestimate and we respect all the people. But there are people who dedicate three, four, five years after decades of their life to studying something that I don't think is that much beneficial. Or maybe it's not a priority, even if it is a beneficial, it may be something good can come out of it. For example, if we spend 40, 50 years on studying, for example, something that a group of people used to do 2,000 years ago, which has no impact on our life, maybe people do Ph.D. on these things, you know. And, but this may not be useful. Sometimes uh, people, you know, uh, spend all their life uh, studying one type of butterfly. It's very good, alhamdulillah. This shows the vast, (laughs) you know, world that we have in. But it's not a priority. I don't want to underestimate. I respect uh, all the scientists. But I'm saying that we have to also find out for ourselves the priorities. It's not that because we have desire for knowing, then everything we should, you know, try to understand. Anyway. There is an unlimited thirst for knowledge. This is why the Quran also tells us you should refer to your fitrah and give answer to this question. Are the people who know and those who don't know equal? The Quran doesn't give answer. Why? Because the answer is here. Quran says, just check here. Those who have their aql, they understand and they remember. Okay. Another thing which is in human beings is we have desire for virtues. We all love virtues. We want Generosity. We want bravery. We love people who are benevolent. People who are kind. People who are helpful. People who are wise. People who are balanced. Yeah? We love these virtues. And if, again, I tell you that you can be 90% wise, and you can be 91% wise. You say, no, I want to be 91% wise. If I say you can be even more wise, I want to be more. There's no limit for this. All these things are put in us in the way that they direct us towards absolute perfection, which is God. Yeah? So, we will never be satisfied with any level of knowledge... We will never be satisfied with any level of beauty, any level of kindness, any level of love. Why? Because there is a search for absolute beauty, absolute perfection, absolute knowledge, absolute power, absolute love, which is God. Okay? And this is why we can never be satisfied unless we are connected to God. If someone, for example, has desire for this much of food, and you give him this much, he will not be satisfied. He feels hungry. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put in us desire for absolute perfection, because we have desire for God. If you give us this much, we will not be satisfied. Only connection to God would satisfy us. And this is why Allah says, It's only with remembrance of God that the hearts can come at rest. Another desire in us is the desire for eternity. We want to be there forever. Even the Quran says, you know, some of them want to live for 1,000 years. But even if he lives 1,000 years and you say, you know, there is a vitamin that if you take, you can live for 1,001 years. He said, give me the vitamin. So we want to be there forever. One of the things that would make us suffer is to think about a day that we would not be here. Yeah. Even when people go to heaven. Although heaven is a very good place. But, but because we have in our mind and in our heart. The desire for permanence. So quickly they will be said. Go there and you can be there. Khaledun, permanently. Because even if you go to heaven. But you are not sure. Whether it's for a few days or a few years. Or you know forever. You will be suffering. If you have been given a good position, but you don't know whether it is for a short time or for a long time, you will be worried. Maybe one day I'm losing this position. If you have been given a child and you don't know whether your child is going to be alive or is going to die, you are always suffering. So we want permanence. We want eternity. Again, who is eternal? It's God. Yeah. So it's again an indication towards God we also have desire for comfort we want to do things but at the same time we don't want to have painful experience we don't want to have you know something which makes our life not comfortable another desire is that we have desire for being together human beings when they are alone they are not happy this is very important to be alone cannot make you happy of course who is the one who can really be saving us from loneliness is allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but to some extent the company of people can give us some comfort okay One of the most tragic things that is happening in modern societies, and maybe this is my last point, one of the most tragic things that is happening in modern societies is people are not feeling that they have caring companions. First of all, families are breaking down. They are becoming smaller, and even those small families are breaking down. If in the past there were, I don't know, five, six brothers and sisters, now maybe one child. Two is becoming something uncommon in you know some families. One, maximum. Then, after some time, the children leave the home. Sometimes the children choose to leave the home. Sometimes the parents say, you know, now you can be independent, you know, go away. So, children leave home. And then you have also husband and wife separation. So you have only individuals living alone. Even if when they live together, there is no necessity, necessarily unity. Sometimes they live together, but just, you know, for the sake of sharing the expense of the house. There's no unity. So everyone is very careful. He or she shouldn't know about my, I don't know, money, my accounts, I don't know, my work, my contacts. Just to certain limit, they live together. There is no real sense of friendship. There is no real sense of being companion. Being together, being united. And this makes life miserable. No matter what car you drive. No matter how much money you have. We human beings will not feel happy unless we have caring people around us. People that we feel they love us. You know, if, you know it's a torture if you think the people who are around you, they are only around you for practical reasons. If you think that your wife or your children are with you only because they need your money. Or for example, your husband is with you only because, for example, he has certain needs. He doesn't care for you. This makes life miserable. Because (coughs) we have this desire by our fitrah that we want to live together with people who care for us, who love us for our own sake. Why we so much love our mothers and our fathers? Because we know they love us for ourselves. They don't love us, you know, to gain from us. Yeah? Our mothers, and of course our fathers, but maybe fathers don't express it that much. They are always there for us without expecting from us. So this is very important thing that is unfortunately disappearing. And this is making life miserable. And we Muslims have great responsibility to protect our relations, family relations, friendly relations, brotherhood among us, and also be giving good example to other people. People should see that the rate of divorce in Muslim families is very, very little. You know, divorce up to maybe 10% is reasonable. People can make mistakes, you know, things can change. But anything more than 10%, I don't think is reasonable. And sometimes it reaches 30%, 40%. You know, in some places, you know, I have heard even more. This is not acceptable. Even 10% is too much, but we say, OK, maximum 10%. If in every 10 marriage we have one divorce, we say, OK. Maybe there was something they couldn't foresee. But if it's more than that, definitely not acceptable. So we have to protect ourselves. And we have to give good example to other people. But if we are not careful, we will be affected. But with maybe a slower pace. But we are going the same road that they are going. Just we are a little bit better because we are going slowly. We have a kind of break, which is a slowing down our speed. Otherwise, the same thing is going to happen to us. So we have to be careful. So these are some of the desires that are in human beings, which are fetri, which we can only find in human beings. If we, inshallah, are alive next week, then... I will explain how we want to use this idea of fitrah in order to develop an argument for the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So next week about fitrah we continue and inshallah we talk about the third argument which is cosmological argument. Please study the book, please review your notes, discuss with your friends so that you are Absorbing the ideas. Listening once is not enough. Discussion, review is very much needed. Uh, even if you have the best IQ and memory, just listening once is not enough. harfun, wa takraru alfun. You get one lesson, but you repeat it 1,000 times. So inshallah, review it and if you have any question inshallah we can address it next week wa akhiru da'wana an alhamdulillah rabbil alamin